Happy Mother's Day. Great day. I, I doubt if any of our moms today will be receiving more uh, cards and calls and flowers than Joyce Dumont. I think Joyce Dumont is going to uh, receive more cards and flowers and calls than, than, than any, any mother here. Who is Joyce Dumont? Joyce Dumont is 77 years old, and Joyce Dumont has reared 69 children. Let me explain that. (laughs) She's had six through childbirth. Uh, She has adopted 11, uh, several dozen foster children, and then some have just moved in because they had no better place to go. Uh, Like one of her sons who brought home a buddy one night for a sleepover, and he ended up staying two years <laughs> because, because he had no better place to go. Joyce Dumont uh, lives in North Dakota. She belongs to the Chippewa tribe, and she has just dedicated her life, she and her husband, to shepherding and nurturing and mentoring and just being a mother to uh, dozens and dozens of children and she's just given her life to loving at-risk kids. And you can imagine with that many children what Thanksgiving is like uh, at, her, at her home. She, she says that, you know, nobody ever calls ahead of time. The, the policy is just whoever shows up, shows up. And so that means between 30 and 40 will show up on Thanksgiving. She says it's kind of just like a a potluck, and they'll all just kind of snuggle between three uh, tables there in her house, her small house, this small beige house with three tiny bedrooms. Oh, and there are two beds in the living room. Oh, and there's some mattresses in the basement for overflow. Uh, she puts it this way. It's always unpredictable, never lonely. Uh, she drives a 95 Buick, no cell phone, and she doesn't use a computer. <laughs> Amen. Her parenting style is to demonstrate rather than yell. And so that means when she found out that one of her sons had marijuana on his possession, she just snatched it and flushed it. That's it. Uh, That means that when uh, one of her daughters was caught sneaking out of middle school, Joyce took her and silently led her back, and then she sat next to her all throughout typing class. That daughter, who has since grown up to be a full-time wage-earning bookkeeper, that daughter said, it was so embarrassing, I never skipped school again. And here's her parenting philosophy. She says, all children want is something stable. They want to know that you love them, and it doesn't have to be love with big computers and fancy clothes and all that. It just has to be love that shows you care. She did have a rule, and here was her rule. Her rule for every child, you have to make something of your life. 
You have to make something. You've got to, God has given you gifts and talents and abilities, and he expects you to use those gifts and talents and abilities. You have to make something of your life, and her children have. Uh, one's a teacher, one's a nurse, one's a weld shop owner, another's a plumber, and on and on and on it goes. Child number 23 is Lucille. Lucille Vivier, who came to Joyce when she, when Lucille was 14. Now, Lucille is 50. And she's an English teacher, she's a poet, and she helps Joyce at the house. And Lucille, I believe, speaks for all of the children when she says, that woman saved my life. She saved my life physically, and she saved my life spiritually. Joyce Dumont. What a, what a great life story about the power of a mother's influence. The power of a mother's influence. That's what I want to talk about today. The power of a mother's influence. And I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that discusses this. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 31. You'll find that on page 552 of your church Bibles. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 9, really are about the power of a mother's influence. And as we read these verses, I think you'll be able to overhear the question, who is it who influences the influencer? Who is it that influences the influencer? Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing my son. What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed. And pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing. And wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty. And remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is God's word. The words of King Lemuel. We don't really know who he was. Not sure. Now, most say that he was a king outside the nation of Israel. So a non-Israelite king who worshipped the God of Israel, who worshipped Yahweh. Uh, He was an Arabian king from the region of Massa. So here we have this non-Jewish, non-Israelite 
king who ruled somewhere east of the Jordan. He was a God worshiper, though, King Limuel. Uh, a few, a few think that maybe he was Solomon, because you see, the name Limuel literally means one who belongs to God. And if that's the case, then that means that these verses, the content came from Bathsheba, his mother. In fact, there's a Jewish legend concerning these verses, which says that one night Solomon pulled an an all-nighter with one of his 700 wives, and he crashed the next morning, and, well, since Solomon kept the keys to the temple under his pillow, the morning sacrifices were delayed, whereupon his mother marched in and lectured him with these words, which, which began with, what are you doing? And in fact, one version of this legend says that Bathsheba had him bound for a post uh, for whipping. <laughs> the queen mother spanks the king. <laughs> I like that. It kind of reminds me of a Mother's Day card I once read. On the front of the card is a boy writing to his mother. The front of the card reads, This is the prayer I remember you praying for me the whole time I was growing up. Open the card and inside it says, God help you if you ever do that again. (laughs) Some of you have prayed that. What are you doing? There's a story behind that question, isn't there? It's really a story told by a, a series of questions such as, Who gets to give the king his performance review? Who gets to do that? Who in the king's life can get into the king's face and speak truth to the king? Who gets to enter the office of the most powerful person in the kingdom without knocking for the sole purpose of critiquing how the king does his job? Who gets to do that? Who has the stomach to say what others don't or won't say to the sovereign. Who is that person? You need one, you know. You need one. When you get to that level of leadership, when you, when you have taken up the mantle of responsibility where what you decide will affect the lives and futures of others, at that very moment, at that very time, what you need is truth. You do. You really do. You need clarity. You need wisdom. You need unfiltered information. That's what you need. And even if that's information you'd rather not hear or information that would not make you happy to hear And so, and so, who will be the messenger? Who is this messenger? Who who is this angel who delivers unfiltered truth? Well, verse 1 names her. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. His mother She's the angel. And what we see here, just in this short verse, is a glimpse of an office in the ancient world, which was called the office of the queen mother. We're Americans. We have this office called first lady. In the ancient Middle East, they had this office called 
the queen mother. And so, for example, in, in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, uh, we learn that when Solomon was the supreme commander of Israel, Solomon was Congress and Supreme Court and President all in one. And with all of that power and all of that authority, Scripture says that when his mother entered the room, he stood. He bowed to her, meaning he got down on his knees, and then he had a seat brought to his side, his right side, and then they conversed. 1 Kings 2, 19, so Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah, and the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right, not on his left, not behind him or in front of him, but on his right. That's huge. And that's why someone remarked, even great kings should bow when their mothers enter the room. And we all know why she's uniquely qualified to critique his highness. That's the phrase, my son, my, I know you. I knew you before you became who you are. You may get pampered by all this royalty, but young man, don't ever forget who changed your pampers. I mean, this, is, this mother, in one sense, is not that impressed with her son because, you know, she knows his habits. She knows his hang-ups. She knows what she did to bring him into the world. It's called labor. Son of my womb. I brought you into this world. Your business is my business. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then she says, what are you doing, son of my vows? You see what's going on here in verse 2? There's sort of a reverse progression that's happening. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? That what she's doing is she's saying how it was he came to be king. Why, she begged God that God would give her a son. She made vows before the Lord. And God, out of his graciousness and mercy, granted her prayer. And she was with child, son of my womb. And then, then he grew up to be king, you see. So don't be too impressed with yourself, sweetheart, because God put you where you are. What are you doing what are you doing? It reminds me of the, the fervent prayers of another godly woman in the Old Testament, Hannah, mother of Samuel, 1 Samuel 1, 11. Oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. What are you doing? You, you, Lemuel, belong to God. You're no ordinary child. You're gifted. You have unique responsibilities and opportunities. You are his. And I am here to remind you of that, she says. I'm watching your life. I'm observing your character. I'm going to say and ask what others are afraid to say and ask. I'm going to ask you about your schedule. I'm going to ask you about your agenda. I'm going to ask you about your activities. I'm going to ask you about what it is you're feeding your life and your mind and your stomach and your eyes. I'm going to check your internet history. Give me your cell phone. I want to see who you've been texting. 
I'm going to ask you about what it is that comes out of your mouth and your heart. And the fact that she's asked three times indicates that he's already blown it. (laughs) This isn't a warning. It's not like, well, what are you thinking about doing or beware? It's no. What have you done? What are you doing? You see, it's a question by someone who knows that it is her job to make kings and queens out of commoners. And that's the mission of motherhood. The mission of motherhood is to be a kingmaker, is to be a queen maker. That's the story here. And so she does in these verses. She reminds her son that as king, he has a vocational responsibility and a vocational calling. And so in verses 3 through 9, she scolds him. Uh, and here's the one sentence version of verses 3 through 9. Son, Your obsessions with women and alcohol are causing your dereliction of duty on behalf of the poor. There it is. Uh, In verse 3, she insists. She insists in verse 3 that the king has better things to do with his time than expending energy and strength and attention harboring a harem of mistresses. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women your ways to those who destroy kings. See, she's calling the question here. Son, what is it that's distracting you from the core responsibilities that you know you must do to fulfill the office of king? What is it that, what's keeping you from accomplishing what only you can accomplish? That if you don't accomplish it, it's not going to get done. You know, being king is not a 40 hours and then you're off on weekends it's 24 7 there's no clocking out that's the deal that's your deal that's the deal god has given you and then look at verses four through seven verses four through seven Uh, this is neither a blanket prohibition nor is she lobbying for a free beer program She's reminding her son that nothing must impair the judgment of the king. Verse 5, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Verses 6 and 7 state that there are better candidates for his barrels of beer. In the ancient world, one of the uses of alcohol was medicinal and as an antidepressant. And so, give strong drink to the one who is perishing. Wine to those in bitter distress. Her her point is, son, you're not playing park district ball here. You're a major leaguer. Now, train like one. Practice like one. Play like one. And here, we come to find one of the often overlooked lessons of leadership and it's simply this the higher you rise as a leader the more you must sacrifice as a leader pastor john maxwell put it this way a leader must give up in order to go up Uh, remember that ad years ago by american express it said membership has its privileges Hmm. a lot of people view leadership that way they tend to associate it with privileges they see only the perks 
The power is appealing, as are the relationships with other high-powered people. And, and who wouldn't enjoy being on the inside track in terms of planning and information? But what many fail to realize is that the true nature of leadership is sacrifice. Leaders who want to rise have to be more than just willing to take a pay cut. They have to surrender their rights. And so the queen mother tells her son, you know, the best question here is not, what am I entitled to? What am I entitled to? There's a better question, and it's this. Now that I'm entitled, now that I'm entitled with time and treasure and talent, now that I'm entitled, what am I to do? What am I to do? What am I to do with these entitlements? You remember in John chapter 13, just prior to Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, John 13.3 gives us an insightful verse just before Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. John 13.3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands. All things. All power. All authority. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things unto his hands. Think about that for just a minute. In that room, in that upper room, as the disciples gathered, Jesus was fully aware that all power had been given to him. All power. Some of you work in arenas that put you in certain rooms. So you come into a room, and there's a group of people in that room. What do you do when it dawns on you, as you look around the people, what do you do when it dawns on you that I'm the most powerful person in this room? I'm the most influential individual in this room. It might be a counseling room, it might be a conference room, it might be a boardroom, a classroom, a great room. The people have gathered, you're there, and suddenly it dawns on you, I am the most powerful person in that room. All I have to do is whisper and I will get my way. What do you do with that? Here's what mom says you should do with that. She says, son, here's what you do with that power. With that power, you open your mouth for those who cannot speak. That's what you do. You you are to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. It is your job to champion the rights of the poor. It is your job to uphold justice and to care for those left desolate by the cruelties of life. That's why verses 8 and 9 say, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. What are you doing? 
You're the king. You are expected to possess extraordinary insight about human problems. Do not squander your royal resources on yourself. And she gives the heart of what God wants his kings to do as kings. She says, kings rule best by serving society's least. There it is. Stop being so impressed with yourself because you happen to be king and instead take responsibility to do what needs to be done. Proverbs 31, 1 through 9, really are about, you know, this question. How should the king use his power? And Jesus gives us that answer. Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. What are you doing? It's a good word, isn't it? It's a good word from mom, isn't it? Amen? Yeah. But who listens to their mother? (laughs) My mother said, if just once more I hear you slam that old screen door, I'll tear out my hair, I'll dive into the stove. I gave it a bang, and in she dove. Who listens to their mother? I hope that these words did not come from Bathsheba about Solomon, and here's why. It would have been really quite a tragedy, right? Because we know, we know about Solomon's life. And if these words came from Bathsheba, well, he didn't listen, did he? The trappings of wealth and fame and power proved to be just too intoxicating. Nehemiah 13, 26, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was beloved by his God. God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. They're they're idolatries. These foreign idolatries, they were worshipers of God false gods, and they caused Solomon to turn away. And Solomon was as good as it got, right? (laughs) I mean, king after king, once they got power in Israel, they typically served themselves instead of others. They tasted entitlement. They consumed entitlement. They were never satisfied by entitlement, yet they wouldn't give it up. And that is what we call addiction, Proverbs 31, 9. Verses that make us long for another king, a truer king, a better king, a king about whom the prophet Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 11, verses 3 and 4. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. These verses make me long for a better king, a truer king, a better Lemuel. Who might that be? Jesus. Jesus is the truer and better Lemuel. Jesus, the one who truly belonged to God, who proceeded from the Father, that there's really only been one king who's been able to keep Proverbs 31, 
1 through 9, Jesus. Jesus. You see, when asked, what have you been doing? Jesus answered, I have come to do your will, O God. When asked, what have you been drinking? Jesus answered, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? When asked, what about the poor? Oh, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. When the king of heaven and earth hung between heaven and earth, dying for the sins of this earth, his mother was there. Remember? And she did not need to ask, what are you doing? Because she knew, she knew Jesus' hands and feet were pierced to the cross, as was Mary's soul. You know, really, sisters in Christ who are mothers to the children God has given you, the very best gift that you can give these children, the very best gift that you can give your children is not to help them feel good about themselves. Rather, it is to help them see that the God in heaven has put them here for a purpose. For a purpose. And, and, and don't expect that to always feel good because crucifixion never does. The heart of a mother gets pierced when she watches her children sacrifice for the purposes of God. You know that Mother's Day is not always a happy day for every mother. And yet the gospel teaches us, Christianity teaches us, the scripture says that the empty tomb always follows the crucifixion. Easter Sunday always follows Good Friday, always. And through the resurrected Christ, by his work, by his death and burial and resurrection and ascension and enthronement, he by grace through faith, he has made us a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy people. That's who we are in Jesus. And so the mission of motherhood is to challenge our children to endure the cross, to trust the Christ, and to become who God says they are in Jesus. That is your mission. That is your mission. Listen, listen. Can you hear her? Lemuel's mother still speaks. She still asks the question, what are you doing? Start living like the person Jesus already says you are. He has called you to royalty. Now live like royalty. Amen.